It's the Do Politics Better podcast. I'm Brian Lewis. And I'm Sky David. The countdown continues. We're getting closer to session. We're getting closer to the primaries. Day by day, more stuff is coming out. So we're 10 days away from the election. If you're listening to this podcast on Friday, and it seems like every single day we're getting some notification about Congressman Madison Cawthorn, chances are before this podcast even drops, there will be two more stories about this beleaguered congressman. Yeah, he released like almost a full eight minute video last night to respond to multiple different allegations. He did not address the one that we actually saw last night, that like 10 second video, completely crazy. I wish I could unsee it. Two things. First, I saw someone tweeted last night. It was like another night on Twitter.com ruined by Madison (laughs) (laughs) Cawthorn. And I think Will Doran wrote, just because there is a video out there doesn't mean you have to watch it. I wish that was the disclaimer before it got sent to me. I think Lucille Sherman said a little late for this memo. (laughs) (laughs) Completely nuts. (laughs) The second thing, can you just talk about the runoff and what that threshold means? When I moved here, I don't think that I had been that politically involved to know about the primaries and a runoff and when the next runoff or when the second primary would be. And that, I think, can be confusing for folks. It is very confusing. And it has changed over the years. So it used to be, let's just take Congressman Cawthorn and Senator Chuck Edwards and Michelle Woodhouse. And then I think they're like a half dozen other candidates in that race. Congressman Cawthorn has got to get 30% of the vote in order to win the nomination for the Republican Party. It used to be 40%. That threshold used to be pretty high. And it was... If when you, did that change? I believe it changed in the last four years. I'm not sure about that. I don't think anyone out there believes that Senator Edwards will win on election day. His goal is to get Congressman Cawthorn to stay under 30%. If he can keep him under 30%. You mean we'll win the primary. Win the primary. That's right. Keep him under 30%. And then the assumption is, is that Senator Edwards, along with Michelle Woodhouse and the half dozen others, they come together because theoretically people think of them as the anti-Madison Cawthorn, but they're so fragmented. If Chuck Edwards can keep the congressman under 30%, get it to a runoff, then Senator Edwards has a shot at winning that nomination and then facing the Democrat in November. But the runoff, it is confusing. And a lot of times what happens is you'll have a runoff in July and you think voter turnout is bad in an off-year election where there's no presidential candidate. How about a runoff election in an off year where there is no presidential election and it can be somewhat of a depressed turnout and you never know what's going to happen. I think I found out about that maybe when I moved here, I needed to get in-state tuition. So I was voting in like municipal elections, anything that was an election. And I 
I believe that I had to vote in a runoff for a mayoral candidate. Mm -hmm. And it was confusing because I was like, why is this runoff date, you know, um, the middle of the month sometime? And it's just hard for the average person that maybe doesn't pay attention to the logistics of a race. I would hazard a guess that the leadership is probably lamenting the fact that we did lower the threshold to 30%. Certainly, Speaker Tim Moore, Senate President Pro Tem Phil Berger, and then of course, Senator Tom Tillis, they are all in the Chuck Edwards camp. And keeping him under 40% would be so much easier. A lot of polling out there, and I know we're going to get into some polling in this podcast, but there's a lot of polling out there showing that Madison Cawthorn seems to be hovering around 35%. Again, it all comes down to who shows up. Yeah, He's dropped 10 points in the last month. During that time, Senator Edwards has been gaining on him. But is there enough time between now and people are voting right now. Is mm-hmm. there enough time between now and the primary election date to drop that even more? We'll see. The tweet I saw last night that I do want to bring up said, I think the lesson here is not to mess around with Tom Tillis because his oppo team is good. Cal Cunningham, yeah. Madison Cawthorn. Yeah. If he can't take him out in this election, I do think Senator Tillis has done something else, and that is I don't think Congressman Cawthorn is going to be in the governor's mansion one day, which he said last year that is his ultimate goal. It also lends itself to this rumor that's been just kind of around Raleigh for some time, and that is... Senator Tillis may have his eyes on the governor's mansion, and that might be why Congressman Cawthorn is in his sights. So this week, you and I have been talking about this poll we saw from Meredith College, and at a week when the culture wars have certainly been in the news, starting with this leak of the Roe v. Wade decision, and this poll seems to be well-timed with that news. Yeah, we talked about a poll a few weeks back that had some different social issues. And this actually focused on some of the same issues, but a lot of different issues. So Roe v. Wade was right up there. And it's about half in North Carolina who want to either expand or keep in place what we already have on the books. In an election where I think all of us believe that this is going to be a good year for Republican candidates. Does this Roe v. Wade leak, is it going to energize that Democratic base? Right. I did see where Jonathan Feltz, he is the political advisor to Congressman Ted Budd, who's running for the U.S. Senate. Jonathan had, a, I thought, a good uh, perspective. He said, yeah, it is going to energize the Democratic base, but you know who else it's going to energize? the Republican base. So we've seen tons of polling on expansion of Medicaid. And this particular poll said 70% of North Carolinians do want to expand Medicaid. But the interesting part of that is that almost 90% of Democrats support that. That's sort of a Mm -hmm. given. But a majority of Republicans, including those who consider themselves extremely conservative, also said they wanted to expand Medicaid. And that may be because they're in rural places in North Carolina where they need more health care. 
Yeah, that. And I do believe a lot of older voters out there, as they are getting to the end of their career and they need a bridge from retirement to Medicare, you know, there's a huge gap that a lot of people have to consider, maybe five to 10 years of how you're going to finance health care. This makes sense. I mean, I think folks are ideological, but they also do pay attention to their pocketbook and what's coming out of it. Legalizing marijuana was in the poll. Again, we've seen this in other polls. About 60% of people want to legalize medical marijuana, which is what is going through the General Assembly, or both medical and recreational. But only 13% of people in this survey said that it should stay illegal, which is interesting. And I think it just kind of goes along with public opinion right now. It has just become less of an issue in recent years as more states have expanded their laws. I was fascinated by the polling about whether you're satisfied or dissatisfied with the direction of the country right now. It was a three to one margin that folks said they were dissatisfied with the direction of the country. Obviously, this is being pulled during inflation. We have so many issues going on right now nationally and internationally, and only 27 percent said that they were satisfied with the direction of the country. It was more Democrats who said that they were satisfied with the direction of the country, but the poll also asked about the direction of the state. Even some Republicans seem to voice some dissatisfaction with where North Carolina is. So in the poll, 60% of Democrats said they were satisfied with the direction of the state, which is really (laughs) interesting. And Less than 30% of Republicans said that they were. Maybe we just chalk this up to folks don't really understand the difference between the federal government and state government. I don't know. It was interesting that Republicans just, they perceive the country as moving in a bad place. So maybe they perceive the state as doing so as well. Yeah. A lot of folks don't realize this, Sky, but technically we're in session this week. It's true. Nothing happened, though. We basically had skeleton sessions. They will adjourn on Friday. What is interesting is that a lot of candidates had scheduled fundraisers this week. But here's the glitch. You couldn't give money at those fundraisers. Talked to a lot of lobbyists and interest groups out there, and they said, yeah, we're, we're just going and having some good food and drinking some beer and seeing friends, but the checks have to go after Friday and before May 18th, because that's when they come back in earnest to gavel in the short session. This week's podcast conversation really centers around Mother's Day. And we have Representative Jimmy Dixon returning to the podcast to share a very special and touching story about his life and what Mother's Day means to him. The Do Politics Better podcast is supported by the North Carolina Travel Industry Association. Founded in 1955, NCTIA has a distinguished history of partnering with the North Carolina General Assembly to strengthen and preserve tourism in North Carolina. Visit nctia.travel for more information on how you can support your local tourism destination and the thousands of North Carolina jobs it creates. 
Representative Jimmy Dixon, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you very much. It's nice to be back. And uh, right up front, I want to compliment you publicly again on your uh, your name, Do Politics Better. I've thought about it often since I was first on here, and uh, you're doing a great service, and I hope you're successful in being able to get us all to do politics better. Thank, Thank you, you, sir. We appreciate that so much. We appreciate you listening and the feedback you give us. When we first visited with you in 2021, we were in the middle of session, we had a great conversation with you. After you left, Sky and I were talking about a story you told Sky about how you came to live with your grandmother. It was a sweet story, and you spoke about your granny, as you call her, in that podcast. And we thought with Mother's Day just around the corner, we wanted to revisit this conversation. Well, uh, very interesting, and I appreciate the, the opportunity to do this. Uh, Mother's Day is uh, very, very special, and I do refer a lot to Granny, mm-hmm. and I have a lot of Granny quotes uh, <laughs> that I use. I don't know where Granny got those things other than from the repository of wisdom that she collected on being a widowed lady mm-hmm. with seven children still at home wow. and a young lady. and was able to provide for all seven of those children. One of those children, of course, was my mother. She had a sister, and we had, uh, I had five uncles. And so my mother, uh, in 1944, uh, found herself in a category that is more conspic- not as conspicuous today as it was back in the mid-40s. She was an unwed, expectant mother. She had taken a job down in Wilmington, North Carolina, as a switchboard operator. And that took a lot of talent because it had hundreds of these plug-ins. When you would get a call, they would be transferred in the telephone office by various switchboards. I'm thankful that she had a loving mother who was my grandmother, Granny, as I refer to it. And, of course, uh, when she found out that she was pregnant, she went home and confided in my grandmother, and they worked out an arrangement to where uh, I would live with my grandmother, and I'm happy for that. There's been a lot of advantages. So that's the initial story of how it came to be. That had to be a hard conversation for your mother to have with your grandma. Probably at at that time and Mm -hmm. under those kinds Mm of circumstances when we had different expectations. Um, But my grandmother was that type of person who expressed in action, not just in words, uh, compassion and unconditional love. Where were you living at this time with Granny? In a, out in the, a community about five miles east of Warsaw, referred to as the community of friendship. That's right. Friendship United Methodist Church. 
It was a half mile down the road from Miss Eva James's store. So when you were growing up, were your mother's siblings there as well? Like, what was the family life like? There were there were two of my uncles still at home. Uh, my mentor, uh, my uncle Huey, who preceded me uh, at Wake Forest on a football scholarship. Mm-hmm. And I remember the day that I was nine years old and I made a uh, commitment to myself. You know, my uncle Huey played football. Mm-hmm. He got a scholarship to Wake Forest. I think I'll do that. Okay. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, it happened. And then another one, the other uh, next youngest one, my uncle Nord, who was there up until I was about four years old, and then he joined the Army and went off. Her oldest son, my uncle DeWitt, lived a half a mile. He and my grandmother were sort of tenant farmers together okay. on the same, the same farm. And so that was the early years. And then when I was... I think I was, I would have been in the fifth grade, so that's what, 11, 12 years old. My mm-hmm. grandmother remarried. Okay. And uh, a gentleman real close to us, uh, as far on the farm next to us, his wife passed away. And he and my grandmother got married. All of her children at that point were gone. When did you realize, as a young man or a young child, that your family dynamic may have been a little different than your friends and those around town and in the church that you attended? Brian, my absolute first recollection of wondering about who I was or where I came from came on a Saturday afternoon about 1.30 in the afternoon. We went to town once a week once a week only to get groceries and my grandmother shopped at A&P store and so I remember distinctly walking across the street holding her hand and at that time I must have been maybe between four and five years old and I remember saying granny where did y'all get me did y'all get me from the A&P store (laughs) and just this past week I, I was driving down Front Street in Warsaw, and I looked over at that store to tell my granddaughter Elizabeth where the A&P store used to be, and lo and behold, the owners of the store have taken some of the paint over the years on the store off, and there was that round signia A&P that used to be in a a circle. And so I'm going to get some of my grandchildren and get them in the right position and get that picture taken with the A&P thing in the background so I can tell them where I came from. There you go. <laughs> what, what was your grandma's, uh, what was her reply to you when you asked that question? You know, I've thought about that a lot, Brian. The only thing that I can uh, remember, remember her saying, uh, Jimmy, uh, we didn't get you from anywhere. We've always had you. Oh, that is a sweet. And so uh, that was that was sort of special. the The corollary to that, and looking at some of my friends, uh, I can honestly say that uh, the 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 thought of of not having a 
a father that I knew mm-hmm. really never crossed my mind till after I graduated from high school, uh, from college. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I got somewhat interested in genealogy. Okay. And then I started to think about who my father would have been. But growing up, I had those five uncles. Uh, we worked on the farm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was able to plant stuff and see seeds grow and turn in. Life was vibrant. We had to work. Uh, Granny told me that if you would cut your own firewood, it would warm you two times. Mm-hmm. And uh, I found out that that was, that was the truth. So, and my peers, my, my classmates, uh, never, I never felt alienated. I never felt ostracized. Um, I was very, very happy, I think, in the fourth grade when I finally learned the word guardian. Mm-hmm. Every year at school back then, everybody filled out their information sheets. And mm-hmm. that, when it came to parents, you know, I always at that point didn't exactly know what to do but in the fourth grade uh, I learned what guardian meant and mm-hmm. so I would scratch through and uh, put guardian okay. Leona Lewis oh wow mm. who's my grandmother yeah well, this is a sweet story maybe y'all are related down the line might be we are <laughs> uh, the way I understand it uh Adam was your great 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 grandfather, and Eve was your great 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 grandmother, and so I believe that makes us brothers and sisters. All of us, all of us, absolutely. Shouldn't we start acting like it more? Tell us about your mother's life during this time. You are staying with Granny in friendship. Is she a part of your life? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, she's a, she uh, was and is a, a wonderful mother. After she gave birth to me, she got a job in Warsaw, which was five miles away. She stayed with Miss Lillian Quinn. There was, Miss Lillian had a uh, residence and she rented rooms. And as a matter of fact, six of the switchboard operators at the telephone company lived with Miss Quinn. And my mother lived there. She didn't have a car. And so at least every two weeks, she would get a ride and come out and visit on the weekends. And those were always very, very happy times because she always uh, brought stuff. She was a wonderful, wonderful person. When I was in the third grade, uh, she met a gentleman uh, that was a produce buyer up at the Faison Produce Market, which was the biggest auction, produce auction market in North Carolina at the time. Anthony Repisi, uh, they called him Chick. And he was from New Jersey. He met her uh, like we meet each other now on the social media. Mm-hmm. He met her through her voice. He made oh. hundreds of telephone calls selling and buying yeah. Uh, produce base not today it's not like it was then and uh, so he kept hearing this voice and finally he asked for her name and that led to that and I remember when they told us that they were going to get married uh, they gave me the option to go to New Jersey with them mm. wanted me to go but 
left it up to me. And I can remember consciously thinking about my friends. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, I didn't want to leave my friends. Okay. And so I made the decision to stay with my grandmother. And uh, from that point on, the main event every year was my mother coming down in the summertime. He would, he would, my stepfather would come down and buy produce at Faison. They would always come down uh, about the middle of May and stay until the middle of July, so forth. And so she was there every year. And then she came home for every Christmas. And uh, the highlight would be to go Christmas shopping for her. Uh, I had counted one time where she had, she had purchased, and this was after I graduated from college and she was still alive. Uh, one year I kept account of it, she bought 83 Christmas presents for my cousins and, yeah. and other people. And I can remember so vividly seeing her in the stores. Brenda would like this. Oh, I think Connie would really love this. I'm going to give Butch one of these because I gave John one last year and he liked it. Every single one of those, there was some type of connection mm -hmm. that my mother made. And uh, she, was, she was quite the Santa Claus. In the meantime, Granny is playing the role as the mother. She's your nurturer. She's the one who's guiding you, taking you to church. Sounds like you just made that work, right? Yeah, I had two mothers. You had two mothers. Yeah. I had two mothers. Can you tell us what was the number one thing you learned from growing up in such an unconventional family in what was a conventional time? Now it wouldn't be as uncommon as maybe it was then, but you had a big family and sounds like a tight-knit family as well. What is a piece of advice or a saying that really sticks with you? Love your family. Appreciate your family. Never be embarrassed of your parents. Mm -hmm. I remember the Lord blessed me with some ability to play athletics. It gave me an identity. Uh, I was fortunate enough to get a football scholarship to the University of Wake Forest during the Brian Piccolo era. But in high school and before high school, being able to play sports and, and those kinds of activities gave me an identity uh, that compensated for the other things. I remember one time after we won a football game, a, a very good friend of mine's father came out onto the field to congratulate his son. Uh, and his son shunned him. His son pushed him off. His son appeared to be embarrassed mm -hmm. that his father mm -hmm. was hugging him. And I can remember thinking to myself, my goodness, you don't know what you're missing, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, you need to love your, your parents and be proud of them and, and uh, hug them. Everybody don't have loving parents. And it sounds like you did, and I know you said that your life was filled with work, it was filled with family, it was filled with uncles who I would expect played that fatherly role in your life. Was there a part of you that was wondering or wanting your dad to be in the stands, your mom to be in the stands? My mother, I, the only person that ever saw me participate in sports was my Uncle Huey. Is that right? He actually was one of the coaches the year we won the state championship. Okay. 
I was the sophomore quarterback on the 1960 James Keenan football team that won the state championship. We were 14 and 0. Mm. Uh, and my uncle Huey was an assistant coach on that team. My grandmother saw me play one time. Uh, that was when I was in college. My mother saw me play one time, and that was at the same game. We were playing Clemson mm -hmm. at old Bowman Gray Stadium in Winston-Salem. Mm -hmm. And my mother was home, and she took my grandmother. And they came up on a little trip, and we, uh, we lost to Clemson. Mm -hmm. I did return two kickoffs, and so they did see me for a few seconds okay. uh, play football, and I was very happy to see that. But no, I never, I, I, I never uh, intrinsically missed because I had good friends yeah. and uh, good buddies, and I enjoyed watching them okay. and their parents after the games. Representative Dixon, in many respects, you have defied a lot of odds. From your background to where you are today as one of the most powerful legislators in the General Assembly, where did you find this strength? Well, the Lord blessed me with, uh, with the spirit of overachievement. I wanted to get the most money when I sold pepper and cucumbers at Face, and I wanted my cucumbers and my pepper to be the highest stuff sold that day. The, the real answer came from the competitive nature of athletics. Not on an individual basis now. Uh, it, it, it's all me, 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 me uh, in athletics to a large extent now. Back then it was we, it was, it was us. And I didn't, for some reason or other, I never liked to lose whether we were shooting marbles or racing to the next fence post or, or whatever it was that we were doing. I had a desire to, to, be, to be first. Interesting story real quickly. When I got to, to Wake Forest, I was not really studious in high school. Mm -hmm. I had to take the SAT two times to qualify for Wake Forest. So I decided to take public speaking. I mean, I'd been speaking for 17, 18 years. <laughs> I knew I could do that. So I took the course in public speaking, and uh, the first few days the professor told us, says, we're going to do some extemporaneous talks. I had no idea what he was talking about. <laughs> so I sat back and watched the others, and extemporaneous means you got up and you talked. I said, I got this. You know, no problem. So came my turn to give my little extemporaneous talk, and I got up and I spoke for about two minutes. And when I walked by the professor, he said, uh, Mr. Dixon, he said, would you please stay after class? Well, I gave it a fist pump. I knew I would knocked it out of the park. I had won this old boy over, and I was going to really do a good grade in this class. And so I stayed after class. Everybody cleared out, and he came up to me and said, uh, Mr. Dixon, he said, if I were you, I would, I would drop this course. I would consider dropping this course. And I was, of course, deflated. Yeah. And he told me, he said, you have mispronounced more words <laughs> in two and a half minutes than anybody I've ever heard who attempted to speak the English language. Oh, and to my amazement, those folks in the halls of academia, the University of Wake Forest, they didn't know what young'uns were. Oh. 
Okay. They didn't know what biker was. Okay. When I would say this and that, they didn't understand it. And when I said that we were fixing to do something, it <laughs> blew their mind. <laughs> Those people didn't understand the English language. Yeah. And so he's suggesting that I drop the course. I didn't, and I ended up making an A in the course. Wow. Good for you. <laughs> when did you lose your grandmother? My grandmother passed away in 1987. My mother passed away in November the 17th, of 1982. Okay. So five years yeah. my grandmother lived after mm. uh, my mother passed away. My uh, my mother uh, had colon cancer, mm. and she had a wonderful year after she found out that uh, she had it. At the time, I was uh, serving in our church. Uh, I was the stake president of the Goldsboro, North Carolina State of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Okay. About six months before that, we had uh, I had a, a member of the church who passed away. It was in Duke Hospital. And so I went up there one day to visit her and walking through the place where the little lobby is, I saw a beautiful red rose. So I decided to get her one. And I did, and I took it to the lady, and she was very appreciative of it. And it was sort of emotional, and uh, she appreciated the rose so very much. Uh, that was one of my first experiences intimately with death. Mm -hmm. And so I gave her the rose. And then fast forward a couple of years, and my mother got sick. Mm -hmm. And when I found out that it was terminal, I absolutely could not make myself take her a flower I could not do it and um, I drove all night one night to Camden New Jersey right across the river from Philadelphia and talked with her and I knew it was sort of the end and I went downstairs and bought her a red rose mm. took it to her and set it on a little whatnot in the corner and asked her if she could see it she said yes it's beautiful and I was always thankful for that experience in the church that helped prepare me mm -hmm. for what death was. And so I did finally give her the flower. Mm -hmm. And an hour later she passed, and I was wow. always thankful for that. Wow. That is a very That's what story. mother means. Yeah. And then five years later, you lose Granny. Yep. That, uh, in a wonderful way. Yeah. yeah, she went out of this world just almost perfectly. She had a heart attack uh, on Saturday afternoon about 2.30, about 3 o'clock, and she died that morning at 2 o'clock. Okay. That was a beautiful way to leave this life. She had never been to a doctor. She would never been to a hospital. Wow. She had seven children at home, and she never had to go to the hospital. She never took any medicine, not even an aspirin. I am not exaggerating. Mm -hmm. She didn't take any medicine. She dipped sweet society snuff. <laughs> <laughs> right. And how old was she when she passed? She was 89. Yeah. yeah. My mother was 53. Amazing. And safe to say, in our conversations with you, you remember both of them, it seems, every day. Oh, yeah. 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 One quick story. Sure. Okay. The day that they came to see us play Clemson, uh, I took them out to dine hmm. we went out to Hardy's. oh good 
and food. they had 15 cent hamburgers and so we were eating eating the, the meal and when we got through i took the tray and i was uh, bunching the stuff up on the tray and walked out and my grandmother asked me she said what are you doing i said i'm fixing to throw the trash away she said you're not going to throw those good cups away <laughs> and she had this they had the white styrofoam cups at the I time she got those three styrofoam cups off you're not going to throw those good cups away <laughs> when i went home later in the spring lo and behold they set those three styrofoam cups in the windowsill in the kitchen with two tomato plants in each one of them. Is that right? That she was incubating in the house <laughs> to be able to put in the garden later on. That uh, she believed that you use it up, wear it out, make it do or do without. Mm-hmm. Dying at 82, 87, they never saw you serve in the General Assembly. Did they see this for you, though? Oh, yeah, they're seeing us yeah. right now. They're seeing it right. Okay. Yeah, it's, uh, the spirit is strong. Yeah. Uh, Death is a wonderful thing. It's as important as birth. Uh, these bodies deteriorate, and uh, we wear them out. And uh, death can be such a wonderful relief if and when uh, you're prepared. And all of us are never completely uh, prepared for death. But uh, I learned early on that in the grammar of the gospel of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. death is a comma, not a period. What does Mother's Day mean to you personally? How how do you <clears throat> how do you answer a, a, a question that doesn't have an answer? Mm-hmm. Um, when I think about the the times, when I think about uh, the circumstances of my mother's life, the the main thing that I feel is is gratitude. Uh, it was not easy for her. Uh, and I weighed 10 pounds and 12 ounces. Wow. Um, Bound to play football. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> when, I was, when I was born. So Mother's Day to me is the essence of charity. The extent to which mothers are involved in giving birth and nurturing truly as it says in in genesis the uh, the situation of childbirth uh, has been multiplied in degrees of difficulty relative to the mother versus the father and so mother's day to me means life mm. without them there would be no life. Well, Representative Jimmy Dixon, we appreciate so much you telling and sharing the story of your mother and granny. We appreciate everything you do for this state and the way you serve and the way you live. You certainly know how to do politics better. We wish you a very happy Mother's Day. Thank you very much, and it's been an honor. Wish you the very best. Please continue your efforts here because you're making the political scene better. 
The Do Politics Better podcast is sponsored by the North Carolina Beer and Wine Wholesalers Association. Beer and wine distributors in North Carolina are family-owned companies that directly employ more than 5,600 men and women across the state. The North Carolina Beer and Wine Wholesalers Association works with the General Assembly to develop alcohol policies that ensure fairness in a competitive marketplace and promote responsible behavior. Visit the North Carolina Beer and Wine Wholesalers Association at ncbeerwine.com for more information. We found Representative Dixon's story to be so compelling and endearing and just such a sentiment to the woman that his grandmother was and to the role that both his mother and his grandmother played in not only his life, but their entire family's lives. A great podcast. I, I enjoyed it so much, Sky. Thank you to Representative Jimmy Dixon for coming on the podcast and sharing such a powerful story. Tweet, tweet of, of the, the week. week. This week's tweet of the week comes from Travis Fain. It was from this last weekend, but I think especially this week with Roe v. Wade up in the air, I think this is important to remember. First, he is at Travis Fain, and the tweet says, if you're on Twitter arguing about who moved right or left, maybe take the rest of the afternoon off and go outside. <laughs> Less of a funny tweet, more of just a practical one. Yeah, and good advice. Tweets you can use. So you had a friend who thought the V and Roe v. Wade was their net, their middle initial. So he was asking, he's like, I just don't understand what's the Roe v. Wade. I was like, what do you mean you don't understand it? So we're having, this is a friend in Illinois. So we're on the phone, we're talking about it. And he's like, is it someone named Roe Wade? And the V is a middle initial. I was like, no, it means versus. And he's like, well, I'm not an attorney. I'm like, I don't think you have to be an attorney to know that, sir. <laughs> Can we just think for a second what it would be like to go through life named Roe v. Wade? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it could be like Roe v. Your first name is Roe v. Certainly, you would be a discussion starter. At, yeah, at the Ben Dovers of the world would be happy to take some <laughs> pressure off. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Ben Dover. I'd like to introduce you to Roe v. Wade. So last week, we recorded at the beach, at your beach house. Mm -hmm. And so this week on Monday, when Brian came back to the office, he came out front to unload the microphones and the podcast equipment. I went outside to grab them and I saw the sunscreen <laughs> that I bought Brian Lewis in August of 2021 mm -hmm. sitting in his front seat. And I was so excited. I am using it well you're not using it sir yeah because no 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 first you said you were using it and i was so happy and i was like oh my gosh my every day yelling at you to put on sunscreen has finally worked mm -hmm. you broke down i broke him down mentally and now he's doing what i want but that's not the case because then you told me that you're using it on your ears and neck i'm like what about your face and you're like my face is covered by this hat yeah my fedora hat that okay, i like that fedora is fugly <laughs> <laughs> it may be, but it keeps the sun off the crown of my head, off my forehead, and it makes uh, gives me a little shade. But it's only off of your forehead, so you have the rest of your face that's exposed to the sun. And I just don't want you to get skin cancer. I'm working on it. I'm, well, then if you're going to just put it on your ears, just, just put a little more. It's the, the two-finger rule, two globs of sunscreen on your two fingers is enough for your face yeah so just do that I'm, I'm working on it you know i've had some some suspicious moles taken yeah. off 
And I do try to take sunscreen, especially when I'm out in the water. I also wear a bucket cap. Every single day, you drive with your top down. Yes. I will go ahead and make a resolution to you now. Okay. That I will wear that sunscreen every single day. That I drive with the top down. And it's sunny out. No, Brian, you just have to put it on every day. I put sunscreen on every single day, no matter what the weather is. You just put it on. It's part of your morning routine. Like when you're brushing your teeth, put some sunscreen on. I'll do it. Yes. (laughs) I will do it. I promise. So back to Mother's Day. Mm -hmm. What are you doing for Mother's Day? You got something planned for your mom? I don't really have anything planned. We don't live near one another. So, I mean, I will call my mom, but I pretty much always call my mom on Sundays anyway Mm -hmm. uh, for a long form conversation. My mom will talk for as much time as you will allow her to talk (laughs) and a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So um, usually I'll just call her on Sunday evenings because I don't have anything going on. But if I'm driving from somewhere, like I have a lot of cases in Winston. If I'm coming back from Winston, she will fill up that whole hour and 45 minutes. However... I'm not going to be in Illinois. I'm not going to see her. So my mom has a wish list on Amazon and only I can see it. And so every once in a while, I just buy her a few things off of her wish list. And so I bought her a few things off of her wish list. And I also found these really cool. This is a great Mother's Day gift idea or a gift for anybody who likes wine. They're called they're called wine chips. Mm. I found them at a local store here that they pair the chips and they're like chips with like cheese on them. They pair them with like the wine that you drink. And my mom loves Pinot Grigio. And so I bought her some chips that are supposed to go along with that, like to be paired with that. My parents also love not eating dinner and just having like chips or popcorn with some wine. What about you? My sister and I are going to go to my mom's house. She lives in Morrisville. And this is how it's going to play out. When I visit my mother, usually on Sunday evenings, she's watching Netflix. And she watches these really cheesy, hallmarky kind of lifetime TV. What do you mean? She, you love that kind of thing. I like the Christmas ones. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> how yeah. dare I? Bring, bring me the cheese at Christmas. But uh, we will end up watching a movie about, you know, a horse Two Bits and Pepper. That's a great horse Something. movie. Something. My oh, mom no, loves the animal shows where the animal gets sent away and then comes back home. And kind of a reunion. So we'll do that and get some takeout. Be good seeing my sister, maybe my niece, but it's kind of low key. Mm. Yeah. As always, thanks for listening to us bicker back and forth. <laughs> we really appreciate that. And we hope that you have a great weekend. The weather is seems like it's here to stay. We are officially in spring-ish summer weather. It is warm outside. Go to the beach, whatever you're doing. Just remember to do politics better. Remember when you hung up on me last night? Yeah, because you called me for no reason. I called you for a reason. Just to say one thing that could have been a text. Grow up. Ha, 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 ha.